Welcome to Tiki Central Canada. Ever wonder what's in that cool, refreshing drink that you just have to have on that hot summer's day? Mmm, me too. Picture a man going on a journey beyond sight and sound. He has left society. He has entered Tiki Central with palm trees, beach sand, blue skies, and God, get me a drink now. Here are your hosts, Craig, Cam, and Paula, and their wacky views in drinks, life, and maybe information? folks and hey how we doing it's craig here from tiki central canada i'll be your host your bartender and hopefully information for the hour we'll see how it goes uh as you notice that we are not in the studio we're actually doing this via satellite uh <laughs> over the internet actually unfortunately because of uh covid19 but we know what we sat there and talked about it we figured all the kinks out in software and we said we're going to keep on recording no matter what we are here for you guys and we all want to make sure that you guys are safe and we give you guys some entertainment and information while you're locked up at home. Plus recipes. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So we got Mark. Hey, Mark. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing okay. He's all comfy at home. Do you have any drinks with you, by the way, or are you just like sitting there chilling down? Well, I actually uh, mixed one, but it's gone now. <laughs> we took too long trying to decipher how to use this thing. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk about it in a minute. Okay. So, and we also have Paula, as you noticed, she spoke in there. Hi, Paula. How are we doing? Hi. How are you? Are uh, you hanging in there? You're good? Hanging in there. Hanging in there. I haven't caught COVID yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't forget it either. Don't go out looking for it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm joking. <laughs> it's just stupidities. Me saying stupidities. That's all good. We're all, hey, you know what? I've noticed in this uh, time and age that we have to have a good laugh. And uh, I've noticed on Facebook, a lot of people are making jokes and sending funny videos. It is definitely a relief to see that because uh, it is a serious situation, but it seems like we're holding off pretty good. So actually on the show, Mark is on here, not only as a co-host as normal, but also we're going to be doing Mark's Adventures. So what uh, place are we going to be doing this time, Mark? Uh, we're going to be talking about the Maikai. The, <gasps> uh, uh, yes, somebody's been there. <laughs> here we go. Yes, one of us has been there. Unfortunately, we're so jealous. Well, I'm jealous because you both have been there and I have not been there. So that yeah. is down the line. So what will we be talking about today? So we're actually going to do two drinks today. Uh, we're going to be using a very specific rum. We're going to be using the Pooser's British Navy rum. For in particular, for one of the drinks, we're actually going to be using the Pooser's gunpowder rum that I, I acquired when I was in Tiga. And uh, I finally found it. It's so super excited. I actually told the guy in the liquor store that I loved him um, out loud. So I might be banned from that liquor store now. I don't know. We'll see. How easy is it to find this rum? So this is super difficult, and I'm sure Mark could justify it in all these travels. This is not an easy one to find, so don't panic. We will give you the alternative rums to use in this recipe. But Mark, you, what's your experience on finding this rum? Um, poor. I did see some when I was down in Florida, but up around here, I'm just checking. Actually, as we speak, I'm checking the um, SAQ to see if they have it. What's SAQ? Society d'Alcool de Quebec. They have regular, and they have the 15-year. They do not have the gunpowder. So it is difficult to find, for sure. It is. Yeah, I should have bought some when I was down there, but I didn't. They ever do that? It's true. Like, like, like It's funny, like, when you go shopping, and actually I heard a stat, this is funny, that uh, when women shop, 80% of them do this. 
they don't buy something, they see it, they go back and it's gone. Yep. That's happened several times to me. I've learned that with shoes. I've learned that with shoes. Like basically shoe companies don't keep carrying the same, let's say, style of shoe from year to year. So when I find a shoe that I like, I actually buy two or three pairs of it because literally next year, I'm not going to be able to get it. It's not available anymore. That is true. So what made you choose to uh, decide on this particular rum for this episode? So the reason why we protect the British Navy rum is because we're actually going to talk a lot about Navy officers and some lingo on the show. And the reason why we're doing that is because when I was on vacation, a guy named Rob Bruner, uh, sorry, Brunner, uh, reached out to me on our email. And I do actually check email from time to time. So please do be patient if I don't answer right away. Um, it's not something I do religiously every single day. I, two weeks ago in there and kind of check out our emails and see what's going on. And so, and he's actually a Navy sailor, a Canadian Navy sailor that was situated in Saudi Arabia at the time uh, when we were talking back and forth on my vacation. He's or obviously back in Canada right now being quarantined as well like the rest of us. But I found through the years that a lot of Navy sailors listen to our show. And it just blows my mind that these guys are in situations like uh, Rob is in, in Saudi Arabia, where you're at a base, it's a hostile area, and you're listening to us because we are like your oasis. We are like your home away from home. And so I thought, what better show to do than to do for Navy sailors and attribute to them? And so this rum is a Navy uh, rum, and that's why we're doing the show. That is 100% awesome. I love, I love that reaction, and I love that, that we are able to be someone's oasis. That is mission accomplished. There you go. Paradise in your ears for about an hour. So what drinks are we going to do? Okay, yep. So let's uh, talk about the drinks we're going to do. So we're going to do first, the drink we're going to cover is uh, Pooser's Get Lucky. That's actually off the website. And the other drink we're going to do, we've done it in the first year when we did this podcast, but we're going to revamp it. It's the Painkiller, which is a very historical tiki drink, but we're going to use the gunpowder rum instead of the regular rum. And then also, too, we're going to do some alterations on that. So we're going to talk about that as well. So, Craig, is there like a origin story to this drink, Painkiller? So the Painkiller is one of those drinks that doesn't actually really have an origin to it. It does have a place that it's, it comes from, which is the Soggy Dollar. And uh, that's where the, originally the Painkiller came from. But there's no particular bartender tag it on, onto. So it is a unique drink in that it doesn't actually have a creator, let's say, of the drink. Interesting. Nobody like went and claimed it. Yeah. So Soggy Dollar, let me just explain where that is, because we've talked about this a few times in different episodes. Soggy Dollar is actually on uh, British Virgin Island, so Joyce Van Dyke. It's a weird name, I know. Anyway, so the only way you can get to this bar is literally you have to boat up to it and then swim to shore to the, the bar. So the reason why it's called the Soggy Dollar is because back, they don't, obviously you don't take any debit cards or credit cards, so you have to put the money in your pocket, swim to shore, and therefore you have a Soggy Dollar. See that? I can appreciate soggy dollar when i see one <laughs> so okay well what's in the drinks are you're going to talk about the get lucky first yeah so the first drink we're going to do is the poosters get lucky and like i said this is actually on the website so if you do a search for poosters rum you will find actually they have about 20 to 30 recipes so i went through them there's a lot of seasonal ones like there's ones for christmas there's one for valentine's there's one for spring and so these are the two that i picked uh, so the first one is called Get Lucky. And so with this one, you're going to use two ounces of the Pooster's Rum. Now, you don't have to use the gunpowder one for this one. This, this is the one that doesn't have to have the gunpowder, which is good because everyone can probably get the Pooster's Rum anywhere you are available. Uh, it's going to be two ounces of orange juice, one ounce of apple juice. And one of the reasons why I picked this one is because I like that it has the apple juice in there 
they give it a little more tart to kind of balance out the orange juice. So you got the sweetness and then you got the tart and the kind of acidity uh, of the drink. So it's a little acidity? more acidic. Exactly. I know it's funny how like English is your second language and sometimes you speak, speak better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I know Norma corrects me all the time. All right. So then after that, it's going to be a half ounce of uh, lemon juice. And then this one is going to have dashes of bitters. So we mentioned on the last episode with Tiga, the bitters is going to give you a bit of a bite. So if you notice that, it's uh, got some sweetness, got some tartness, and then it's got a bite at the end of it. And it and some depth. Yeah, it's got to have a lot of layers to it for sure. So do you, uh, do you shake it or do you stir it? So what you're going to do is you take all the ingredients you put into a cocktail shaker. You're going to fill that with ice, shake it, and then you're going to strain that mixture into a tall glass, like a Collins glass, whatever, uh, with fresh ice. We've talked about that before. And then serve. And that is your drink. Okay. Do you garnish it with something? So on this one, you're going to do is you're going to garnish it with a mint because it does have a bit of the bite from the bitters and also the apple juice. So you're going to have the mint and then an orange wheel. Orange wheel, I I think we've done a video before for that. If not, I'll add it to the show for sure, how to make an orange wheel. It's very simple. It's not a complicated thing. It's simply slicing a, a, an orange in slices and then just putting a little slot in there with a knife, and you got an orange wheel. Cool. And um, what's the next one? Okay, so the next one is one that we've done before in the first year, but we're kind of revamping it and giving it a new look, and that's the Pooser's Gunpowder Painkiller. So the painkiller is a very historical tiki drink. Like I said, it comes from the soggy dollar. It's got some history to it. And what it is is that use the gunpowder rum instead. Now, if you don't have the gunpowder rum, you still can use the regular Pooser's rum. That's perfectly fine. Or any rum that you have. Like a lot of the recipes we have in our show, guys, you guys don't have to go out and start buying all kinds of rums. We talked about this before. If you have a certain rum at home that you like and that's that's your go-to rum, then use that for all these recipes for sure. Now, you will find, like we talked about in the rum tasting one, though, there is different characters to these rums. So do know that if you don't use the rum that we use in our recipes, there's going to be some different kind of flavors and tastes you're going to get off it. I'm sure Mark's going to justify that, that certain rums have certain characters, and if you don't use the correct one, it will give you a different output. Yes, absolutely. The, um, some drinks are made for having special rums, like the uh, Guyanese Demerara rum. Uh, provide a huge flavor uh, to certain drinks and uh, some drinks are essential to have that type of rum for that flavor that the uh, bartender is looking for exactly okay so the rest of this recipe so yes yeah, gonna be two ounces of the poosers gunpowder rum and again if you don't have that just use regular poosers four ounces of pineapple juice that's one of Nora of uh, paula's favorites one ounce of orange juice one ounce of cream of coconut is another one of her favorite ingredients that she loves and then you're going to freshly grate some nutmeg on top. I want to try this one, Craig. Yeah, we'll make this the next time we're together, for sure. I actually really want to try this because everything that has cream of coconut usually is my cup of tea. And one has to note with the painkiller, uh, the two ounces or the number of ounces is dependent on how much pain you wish to kill. Oh, bump. I'm going to want it with less then. Yes. Yeah, exactly. This is funny because actually this is one of the drinks I had down in Tiga at the resort, and they made it, well, they did have the pineapple juice, they had the orange juice, they did have the cream of coconut and the rum, but they didn't put any nutmeg on top. And then the pineapple juice and orange juice, they pretty well did it like 50-50. So it really didn't taste the same as it should taste. So maybe maybe I take a couple sips of it without the nutmeg, and then you, you grate it no. off? No, it must have the nutmeg. If it doesn't have the nutmeg, it's not a painkiller. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> Wow, I thought he was going to hit me from afar right now. That was like so violent. Mark, was that, was that a virtual slap? 
No, it was just a, it was like, stop it, stop it. <laughs> Young lady, uh, no. go to your room. <laughs> That's right. No, it's more of an aromatic than it is an actual flavor. Okay. When you, when you smell the, the, uh, the nutmeg as you're taking the drink, it just takes you to the Caribbean. Okay, so Craig, um, I don't yes. even I don't even want you to use your gunpowder rum on me. You can use the normal <laughs> Poosers one because I know that you're going to want to keep the gunpowder one as much as possible. Yes, and, it's true. And because I'm, I probably won't appreciate it as much as you would. So please keep a little mental note that I would like to try this one. Do you think okay. I would like it? Yes, because it does have the cream of coconut, which you like. It has the pineapple juice, which you like, and the orange juice. So it's pretty sweet. And the original drink actually is a pretty sweet drink. It's not too potent. I know I know. Mark obviously would add more rum to it for sure because he obviously wants a more boozy. Oh, right, he, he, he needs to kill some of the pain, right? Indeed. <laughs> I have much pain. The older you get, the more oh, pain you have. It's hard to move. Yeah. Oh. I'm with you today. <laughs> Oh, painkiller is a crowd favorite, and you will like it. Um, I'm a bit confused, though, because this is sounding like it's going to be exactly like the Blue Hawaiian, because you remember that I told you that I substitute the Blue Curacao that tastes like orange for orange juice sometimes? Exactly. So what is, how is this, is this any different from the Blue Hawaiian? Because I, I feel like it's very, very similar. Exactly. That's actually a really good question. I'm sure our listeners are asking. The difference is, is that, first of all, the combinations of the pineapple juice and orange juice. So we have four ounces of the pineapple juice and only one ounce of the orange juice. Okay, so it's going to be more pineapple Right. But the other thing, too, is that on the Blue Hawaiian, you're using just regular white rum. This is actually a dark-aged rum, so it's a lot oh. different. It's going to give you a lot more punch. Exactly. So even if I don't find the gunpowder one, if I just find the Pooser's rum, it's still going to be dark and aged? Exactly. The Pusses Rum is a dark-aged rum from the British Navy, so you will get a different taste than if you just use regular white rum. Any dark-aged rum will fit the bill in this case here. Okay, so, and this one, is it shaken? Is it stirred? What's up with this one? Is it like the yeah. Blue Hawaiian that is shaken? Yeah, so what you're going to do is you take all those ingredients, you're going to give it to a shaker, you're going to shake that vigorously, hard and fast, then probably pour that into a glass. Um, you could either do a hurricane glass or uh, this says goblet. I don't know why it says goblet, but hurricane glass uh, with some fresh ice and then sprinkle the nutmeg on top and serve. I've actually done also to a little tiki umbrella on this because I just feel it's this is a very original tiki kind of cocktail. So I always add the tiki umbrella to anything that's original like that. And it would be pretty bland without it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you said there was mods to this. What, what kind of mods? Okay, so I actually have played with this recipe a few times when I did it on the first year and spare time. And so a couple of things I've uh, tried is uh, spiced rum instead of a dark rum. So the spiced rum gives it even more of a kick. But also, too, I've done vanilla syrup to give it more of a sweetness uh, or cinnamon syrup. Yes, you were uh, very thankful again. You, Brax, you uh, donated some of that uh, gunpowder to, to myself. And I've already used it in a drink called a bombo. Pre-prohibition drink. It's kind of like a Manhattan, um, but with rum. And I used the gunpowder rum and the cinnamon syrup. And it's it was very nice. Oh, wow. Okay, I got to try that out now. There you go. Uh, you can also play, too. I've also played with the, the ratios of the pineapple juice and orange juice. So if you're more of an orange juice fan, add more orange juice and less pineapple juice. Or in uh, Paula's case, less rum. Again, yeah. it always caters back to the guests. Yes, my, uh, my better half likes it with the Kraken. What's the Kraken? Oh. The Kraken spiced rum. 
It has more of a vanilla flavor to it, and um, it goes. It works. I wonder if it would work with that um, rum I brought Norma, the coconut rum. Oh, yeah. That would definitely sweeten it up for sure. Welcome to Mark's Adventures. Well, this and this time, guess what? It's not only Mark's adventure. That's right. That's right. Paula's been there. Yeah, because Mark told Paula to go there if she ever went down south, and she did, so she went. There you go. And she brought her friend Colleen. <laughs> yes, uh, hopefully we can get that video of Colleen. Yes, uh, yes. I, I will I will send it to Craig. I'll talk about that drink at the end. Oh, you had the drink that Colleen had? Yeah, it was the KO Cooler, right? Yep. Well, it's interesting because Paula says she went to it. She's told me in the past, we talked about it on an episode, that she went there. But Mark did mention to her that there's like, what, eight different rooms there, Mark? Well, we'll, we'll go on to there. We're, we're talking about the Mai Kai, or it's officially known as... The Mai Kai Restaurant and Polynesian Show. Which I did not see because I got there too late, I think, and they had already closed the restaurant part. Ah, so it's just the bar. Gotcha. I went after dinner. I thought that that's what was the time that I was supposed to go to a bar. <laughs> that's so Brazilian of you. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> oh, well, see, that's why when I gave you the list, I put the Mai Kai at the bottom and I put the Miami bars at the top because they don't like open until eight. Oh, yeah, that's that's the sort of thing that I usually go for because our our things don't close until like four, five, six, seven in the morning. So they open really late. So I'm used to and, and first of all, I don't attend bars, right? That's not something I do. So when I when I thought to myself, I am going to a bar, I was like, OK, let's have dinner and then go to the bar. You know, treat it like a nightclub thing. But obviously I was wrong. <laughs> Well, you told me before that you guys don't have dinner till like what, like nine o'clock at night or something, right? Yeah, nine, nine on a good day. Wow. Meanwhile, Mark's going to like the uh, senior citizen uh, early bird specials. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Yeah, you get two for one fish and chips on Tuesdays. Yeah, but that's the thing, though. If I have if I have dinner at 536, then I'm really hungry the rest of the night because I don't go to sleep until like three. So trust me, I'm going to have to look for stuff to eat all night long. Yeah, fair enough. I got no problem with that. That's what drive throughs for. Yeah. That's what what's for? <laughs> drive through. Oh, okay. I, I have zero intention of leaving my house after dinner, but okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm old right now. <laughs> yeah, same here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Mark, let's start the Mark Adventures. Uh, we're talking about the Maikai, or is it officially known as the Maikai Restaurant and Polynesian Show? Very cool. Because, yeah, because like a lot of tiki bars we talked about in the past. They don't have a show. It's just a very small place. You get drinks. Some of them don't even have music or whatever. And so this one is different because it does. It has a very elaborate tiki sort of Polynesian show that goes along with it. Right, Mark? Yes, it does. Absolutely. It's got the whole show. It's, it is authentic. The people actually go to the islands to learn stuff and, and actually teach it when they go to the island. So it, it's, a, it's a very cool place. So what did you tell us about where it is and some of its history? Well, it is the uh, last of the tiki temples. There used to be a large, used to be a number of really large uh, places like this throughout, especially North America. Uh, Columbus had the Kahiki and uh, the Contikis were everywhere. So it's the last one. And it goes way back to when the uh, Polynesian pop was widespread everywhere. The Maikai is the place that hooked us on our uh, continuing desperately seeking tiki adventures. It's located in Fort Lauderdale. The Maikai has eight dining rooms, 
It has the full nautical-themed bar called the Molokai. It has 150 staff. Altogether, seat 700 people. Wow! Holy jumpins! That is huge. Yeah. Even to a regular, even sorry, even to a regular restaurant, that is huge. I know it's massive. I definitely did not see the whole of it. There you go. Yeah, the uh, the Polynesian show, which we talked about, it's been running since 1962. Wow! Wow! And uh, during the winter, not so much the summer when it's uh, whatever. It has two shows daily, and uh, of course, not a lot right now. And uh, has three shows on the weekends during the snowbird season. They have a large tropical garden filled with tiki's of all kind and uh, flowing water. And some of the palms and orchids are uh, over fifty years old. Do they have a bar on the outside, Mark, as well? No, they have the dining room, and uh, but you still get drinks. They don't have a, a bar per se. They have the bar that you are in, and then they have the dining room. So it's still one of those inside ones. It's not going to be considered one of the exterior ones. Well, the inside part where the dining room is that you're also there to see the show. But there are uh, places to sit outside in the garden, in the terrace area. So it doesn't necessarily have to be indoors. Okay. Now, you did mention to me, Mark, offline that something about it has a lot of uh, historical items in there to the point where actually they can't even keep them in the location because they're so historical. Yeah, well, apparently a number of years ago, they actually brought in like an insurance adjuster or whatever. Uh, what do you call them? Uh, assurance. Uh, Adjuster, yeah. Any rate, you call them an evalu- evaluator. There you go. And uh, some of the Maikai artifacts are now in the Stanford University and Fort Lauderdale Museum because the insurance on them was so high, the Maikai is uninsurable. Wow. That's that's a big deal. So in some ways, I guess it's a tiki museum, right? In some ways. Oh, very much so. There's uh, all kinds of artifacts, uh, lamps, all the tapa cloth, carvings. Going back, well, to when they started building it and, and stuff before that, they would seek out stuff from all over the world, and they still continue to do so. Some of the some of the major tiki's of the gardens have fallen over because they're well, they're sixty years old, and so they put up new ones. So it's constantly it's a living monument uh, to the Polynesian pop. Well, Paula, what do you think when you what do you what do you think about the interior when you went there? So it's amazing. Again, I all of this that Mark is talking about, I did not see. I was definitely there too late. They had already closed off the the dining rooms and everything. I just was able to see the first little bar, which is tiny compared to all this that they're talking about. There's probably like, what, 50, 60 seats, Mark? Yep. Uh, yeah, I guess. Like, math is hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the decoration definitely is spot on. Like, it's exactly what you guys talk about there. Again, you guys have to to understand that it was my first time at a tiki bar, and I only had the information that I hear from YouTube. So when I got there, and it's all like brown and very little light and a lot of stuff that is very nautical, I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of what I was expecting. You did mention to me that uh, for you, that wasn't the kind of the ideal tiki you wanted. You wanted more of the outdoor. Yes, for sure. But. It was a surprise to me that it it was an indoor one in Fort Lauderdale. I would have imagined that it would be something very outdoorsy and tropical in my head. So it was a a pretty big shock when I get there and it's all indoor and very dark. And again, it's not my type of preferred bar. I would have preferred the, the other type because this one doesn't really appeal to me as much. Uh, maybe it's because I, I'm not a big drinker, but you know what I mean? Like I'll send, I'll try to send you my videos 
that I took there. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. Yeah. If you can find a way to post them, that would be fantastic. So, uh, yeah. So who actually did open this uh, location? Again, when? Yeah, it was opened in 1956. And at the time, it cost $350,000. Jesus. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And it was built by two tiki enthusiastic brothers, Bob and Jack Thornton. Uh, the brothers were taken uh, by their dad to the Chicago Don the Beachcomber. And uh, see, Don the Beachcomber, here goes again. Back to Don. <laughs> it's like the Lion King, the circle of life. It is. And I haven't thought, no, we, we need t-shirts now. Circle of life. There we go. Tiki style. Yeah. And then the brothers went to Stanford University in California, where they had all the tiki joints along there. And then they did a tour in the forces and settled in Fort Lauderdale and said, we're building a tiki bar right here. The biggest one in the world, too. No, no, there was bigger than that. <gasps> apparently, apparently, the uh, the Kahiki in Columbus, Ohio, was huge. What? Doesn't exist anymore. No, they just tore it down for apparently uh, whatever reason. Just about fifty, uh, well, a few years ago. Uh, plus, there was the the Contikis were quite large as well. So there used to be a bunch of them. There was a there's one in Vegas. One guy was going to build, going to have like moats and all kinds of stuff, and um, that never happened. But yeah. Every single time you guys mentioned the tiki, this indoor one especially, I feel like I always had in my head that it was small, very small. Like you always say like, oh, there's a line to get in and blah, blah, blah. So in my head, these indoor tikis were really small always. And then suddenly now you're talking about these massive places. Yeah. Like I said, it was was a tiki temple, as it were. And um, they're all gone now. This is the only one that's left. Wow. Yeah, because one of the things that we've mentioned before in the past in some of the episodes is that there's two types of tiki, right, Mark? There's the you know, small, confined, you're inside, dark, doomy, gloomy places like Donna Beachcomber and Trader Vic's original uh, locations. But then there's also, too, the very large exterior, or in this situation, it is still interior, but it's a large area that uh, it's also another version of tiki. Yeah, well, I wouldn't use the word gloomy. <laughs> But you know what I mean? I mean, it's just like, it's dark. It's not like well lit or anything, right? See, to me, it's pretty gloomy. I understand what Greg's talking about. Uh, well, <laughs> dark, dark, dark and happy. There you go. There we go. The Oasis. Yeah. But no, a lot of people, especially in the East Coast, especially down when you're in the Caribbean type places where you think of the word tiki, you immediately think of a thatched roof sitting outside with your shorts and your sandals on, right? So this is Polynesian pop tiki. Very cool. So um, we also talked about what inspired them. So what was the, like, what drove them to make this place? What was the, uh, the inspiration? Well, they would still continue going to Chicago to go down the Beachcombers. And there they met uh, Bob Van Dorp, who was one of the uh, seating captains at the Don the Beachcombers there. And he's, he also shared their vision of opening up another huge tiki bar. And if you remember from uh, Don the Beachcomber, each one had its own secret recipe, right? But it also had its own individual piece of glassware, which I did not know. Okay, no, that's that's true. I mean, we've seen that in the past, like Hurricane and the Mai Tai and things like that as well. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so not only was Bob the seating captain, he was also the daytime purchasing agent. So they'd play a game. The brothers would mention a drink, and he would come back with like a card, and it would have the type of glass, what it was, what was in the drink, and where to get it from. More importantly, like where to order the glassware from, that kind of stuff. So Bob was on board. They needed Bob for sure. And um, oh, Bob. Yeah, but he also knew where to get the mystery ingredients for, like, Don's spices and all this kind of stuff so they could make all the original Don the Beachcomber drinks. So they said that they needed a chef and a bartender. They said they couldn't get the number one from each of them, but they could get the number two guys. Uh, The number two chef was Kenny Lee, 
And the number two bartender was Mariano Liquidini. And they could be had. It sounds so Italian. <laughs> it's a super Italian name. Yeah. So the question is, why would these guys go right after all this time? But once again, we go back to our earlier podcast of Don the Beachcomber. And Don had lost all his uh, restaurants in a divorce when he came back from the war. And the only place he could go was was Hawaii because it wasn't part of the uh, United States then because he wasn't allowed to open any more bars in the U.S. So he went to Hawaii. The Chicago one in particular was never really warmed to Sonny and especially the Chicago manager. So they were happy to go. And uh, so they got the number two guy from each of them. They got where to get the glassware and they got the train staff and they also got the menu artist. Wow, that's amazing. So one of the things actually yeah, you just mentioned, Aaron, because if you actually looked right now, there's Trader Vic's all over the world, right? But there's no yep. Don and Beachcombers anymore. And clearly that has to do with management. That comes down to ownership and management because, like I said, Trader Vic's, they're still existing. So obviously they're doing something right. So as soon as she took over, Sunny Sun, like you said, she probably didn't get along with a lot of the employees and a lot of employees left and went on to other tiki bars. I really want to know who her lawyer was because this man's a genius. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah, he basically lost his empire to her. He lost all of them. Like, wow, her lawyer must have been a good lawyer. <laughs> he was happy. He opened up uh, another Don the Beachcomber in Hawaii. Then everybody started coming to Hawaii. And uh, he was Is happy. Is that one still there? No, they're all gone. Yeah, sorry, I just want to interrupt. It's like, it's like what it is is that they're actually not called Don the Beachcomber. It's called the Polynesian Village. That was the name of the bar that he actually opened. So the chain of bars in Hawaii that Don the Beach could open and open are going to call the Polynesian Village. I think there's still a couple in existing in some of the hotels, but I'm not quite sure. No, the uh, the only thing that was left was um, in the international marketplace. I don't know if you've ever been to Honolulu. And there was actually a bar right in there, this big tree. It was up in there, that kind of thing. Uh, that's gone as well. And so the, uh, they did market the name, and there was one in uh, California, and there's now another one in... Um, I believe, I believe it's on Kona. There's a Don the Beachcomber there, but it's just licensed name. It's not a, a, a restaurant per se. Is he, is he dead by now, Don? Yes, he is. Yes, both Trader Vic and Don the Beachcomber both uh, died and passed on. Yeah. I don't know where uh, Don is buried, but I, uh, Vic is in uh, San Francisco. You can visit his grave. It's kind of cool. That'd be awesome to do. Oh, no. Kind of creepy, I know, but it's still awesome for us Tiki fans. So there you go. Have a Mai Tai. Right on his grave. There we go. Yeah. So what about some of the food there, Mark, that you saw there? What was some of the food that you had? Well, mentioning a Trader Vic's, they have these things that are called Chinese ovens, uh, which you could actually buy back in the day. I've seen ads for them back in the, the, the 50s. You could buy at these Chinese ovens with the fire and everything's at the bottom and has like an L shape and the heat goes up the smokestack. And uh, that's where you cook and smoke your meats and uh, absolutely fabulous. So there's a special section in their very large menu. Uh, we're going to have a link to the Maikai so you can check out the menu and just go to rule, to rule. There's also, um, of course, the, the bar also has appetizers. Things like the poo-poo platter, the crab rangoon, and the Javanesean beef are to die for. By the way, if you get there between four and seven, they're half price, along with the drinks, by the way. Wow. I'm definitely going during that time. That's like the early bird special. Next time I go, I'm definitely going at that time, too. Uh, and And... <laughs> And I, I'm pretty sure I got there exactly when it finished because when I arrived there, there was a whole bunch of seniors that were waiting for their bus or something to take them home. And uh, and I looked at Colleen, she looked at me, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if it's closing down. But I guess we had just missed the good time to be there. It was probably the end of the show. Yep. Okay. So 
you're going to talk about the drinks now? That's right. Like we said with the Dawn the Beachcomber, all the drinks are, are secret recipes. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, they magically appear behind this lazy Susan. And then the uh, the bikini-clad girls bring them to your table. I saw I saw those. Yeah. Very nice. It's been the same costumes since, well, forever. And uh, But as you saw, there's nobody actually mixing drinks behind the bar. They're all hidden. He's he's hidden inside the inside of the yeah. bar. He's definitely not behind the bar like Craig is. Yeah. But again, I think because I was there at an hour that was bothering them. A later time, right. That he was coming in and out. Like he was he was definitely having an off day. But I yeah, I do know that there's numerous bartenders back there and there's a, there's actually two bars. There's one bar for the lounge that you were in. There's another bar just for the dining room. Yeah. So it's like Actually, there'll be a link to the PDF file of the actual menu that'll be up on the other website there as soon as we're done. And it's not something you can easily smuggle out in your handbag. It's pretty huge. <laughs> it is huge. It really is massive. I have one. <laughs> wow. I took a picture. Yeah, uh, you have to talk, you have to be and talk to people and then they'll eventually sell you if you're if you're good. So that's not a problem. No, Mark. How many how many drinks would you say are on this menu? I think there's about eighty plus the uh, the rums and then the uh, the martinis and things like that. But the uh, the cocktails are segregated into uh, mild, medium, or strong, and uh, you can go. And there's also after dinner cocktails as well. Apollo, did you notice that when you're looking at the menu, like the different grades of uh, potency? I did not. For sure, I did not. I'm I'm looking for my picture of the the cocktail drinks to see if I can tell now <laughs> looking back at it what mark's talking about and uh i can't because your friend had a pucker face right when she's when she drank her drink literally looking back at the photos and the videos to see if i can decipher anything oh here here's the good picture of the i could not find the amount of booze that each one would have no it doesn't actually list it it just says strong medium or mild they're right across the top at any rate Oh, there it is. Mild tropical drink. Oh, I, I didn't see that at all, even though it's huge. <laughs> wow. I actually see it now on the picture. I'm looking at the picture that I took of the menu and I see that uh, mild, medium and strong. Wow. There you go. So here's the thing, though. I, I ordered something that wasn't on the menu anyways, which was the Blue Hawaiian. So it didn't really mean anything to me to look at the menu. Right. So I really didn't. Uh, but your friend, though, did, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, Colleen, yeah, she looked through the menu, but we didn't really have this discussion like, oh, which one is it going to be? Are you going for the strong, mild, or medium? She just chose one that it, that sounded good for her, and she had it. She thought it was quite good, I think. I don't, what was the name of the one she had? I well, when you got back here, you said it was the, called the uh, KO Cooler, which is uh, based on the uh, QB Cooler, I believe. That was the original Don the Beachcomber one. And it's a very strong drink. It's got uh, besides, oh, it's got orange juice, uh, lime juice, grapefruit juice, laurentum, honey, honey mix, an ounce of old rum, an ounce of demerara rum, and a half ounce of 151 proof rum. Whoa! That's only a quarter ounce less than a zombie. Now, if you want to see somebody who doesn't like uh, strong drinks, try it. Uh, you'll see a nice video if we can get it up there. Me and Colleen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the pucker face. Oh, but she 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 likes strong booze. Well, that's that's essentially the equivalent almost the equivalent of a zombie in a uh, what do you call it there, the old fashioned glass. Yeah. To me it was it was an offense to my <laughs> my taste buds. <laughs> <laughs> 
she actually powered through the whole thing. Like she actually enjoyed it. Oh, to there you me, go. It, to me, it was like, oh, oh, you're killing me. Yeah. Oh, good. I thought she didn't like it, but that's why. No. <laughs> that face was how strong it was. She definitely ordered a strong drink. Yeah. The second strongest drink on the menu, I think. See, but you know that right now. When we're sitting there, it says KO Cooler. And this is what is literally written about it. Heavily bodied and brownie, but smooth, a formidable opponent. That's it. Yeah. Under strong. <laughs> it doesn't say anything that comes in it. Yeah, I know. But I'm just telling you, it is strong. It's secretive. Hello. <laughs> it's a secret recipe. Oh. Yeah. Historically, there's two drinks that actually made, put the mic eye on the map. One was called the, uh, the Derby Daiquiri, similar frozen drink to the regular daiquiri, only they use uh, uh, Mariano put orange juice in it. It was for the uh, Florida Derby race uh, to compete with the Kentucky Derby so they could have their own drink as well. Hugely popular. And the other, the other uh, event that they have there is a thing called a mystery bowl. So it's a typical uh, bowl drink, except they have uh, a lovely clad lady come out, sound of a gong, and she delivers some flowers and the big bowl to uh, somebody's table and then uh, silently walks away again. It's pretty cool. It's, uh, it's part of the Maikai. The mystery girl has been around since, uh, since the late 50s. It's, uh, actually, I have a Playboy upstairs with the original uh, mystery girl in it. <laughs> of course. I was going to say that. Are they like supposed to be super hot or something? Yeah, 1955, this one was. So, not 55, 59, sorry. Of course they're hot. It's supposed to be. So, for me, the, um, the drinks that I like there are the Black Magic. It's got some coffee in it. It's pretty cool. The Barrel O' Rum, which is um, kind of like a Navy Grog, only um, they have a Navy Grog, but uh, the Barrel O' Rum has got lots of things. And uh, something called the Hookalau, which is a recent drink there. The better half, their sheer favorites are the Mai Kai Special and the Oh So Deadly. What's in the Hookalau? Uh, what's in the Hookalau? I forget. There's a whole bunch of stuff. It's more, um, it's more pineapple-y and, and fruity, but... <laughs> wait, wait, do you, do you forget or do you just don't remember? I don't remember. It's kind of like uh, we haven't done that drink yet, the uh, Chief Lapu-Lapu. We have done it. Have we? That was before me. Yeah, so it's kind of like a Chief Lapu-Lapu. Now that I look back, yes, you have. So I was going to ask you, so where would you get information other than your page we're going to put on our website, Mark? Where could people get information? Okay, there'll be a link to the Maikai. There'll be a link to... Um, uh, the PDF file for the, uh, the the menu. It'll also be the recipe for the Derby Daiquiri. Uh, one of the other places is a gentleman that's there all the time called Jim Hurricane Hayward. And he has a place called the Atomic Grog. Not only does it have a bunch of stuff for Tiki, it also has all his tribute recipes for the Maikai, where he sits at home and tries to figure out what the ingredients actually are. That's where I was able to get the ingredients for the KO Cooler. So all his stuff is there. A gentleman by the name of uh, Tim Swanky Glasner has written a book on the Maikai called History and Mystery of the Iconic Restaurant. You can get that at Amazon or a couple other places. And also Jeff Berry has a chapter on Mariano in Sip and Safari. And uh, of course, the Maikai itself has all kinds of links for the food and all kinds of good stuff. And so the Maikai, along with Tiki Tea in LA, are now the only places with a direct link back to the original Don the Beach Cromers and the Rum Rhapsodies from way back when. So these are just basically historical, like almost like you said, tiki temples in some ways. Well, this one is more of a temple because it's so freaking huge. Right. So, I mean, if you actually are new to tiki, this is one of the cool places you definitely want to check out and see the whole, well, get the whole package, right? Oh, yeah. Because we um heavily into uh, uh, mid-century pop and architecture and all that kind of stuff. And we walked into this place and we were hooked. Then we started going to more and more and more places. Yeah, make make sure to go at the time of day that Mark's telling you to and not whenever I went because it's definitely a night and day experience. 
when I went, it was nothing of what Mark's talking about. So make sure you go at what time, Mark? I'll go anytime. Just to make, make sure the show is on. Like even things like the, the ladies' bathroom. I think we talked about this on another show. If you go into the, uh, the, the shop, you'll see all this. Um, they used to have a Thailand room. It was one of the dining rooms. And uh, they have all the architecture in there. Are they, is all the carvings and everything is all uh, from that Thai area. And, but that envelops also into the ladies' bathroom. Yeah, but see, here's the thing, though. I wasn't even allowed to, I didn't, I didn't know there was a gift shop or anything because they had closed everything beyond that bar. I was only allowed in that bar. So that's what I mean. Like, uh, people should go at an earlier hour when everything's still open. Yeah, I think what she's trying to say, Mark, is that, you know, if you want to see the show or you want to see the gift shop, that you probably should go at an earlier time than Paula went. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to see everything and take your time, see the gardens, definitely go earlier. And have people with a better mood treat you well. <laughs> oh, ouch. Yeah, so, something was really, it must have been really off that day. If they are such a happy place like Mark is painting it, and I believe Mark, like there was something really, really off that specific day that Colleen and I were there. But you said yourself, though, you said that you want to go back and give it a second try. I right? would. I would. I I. I think it's going to be hard convincing Colleen because, well, probably I could convince her because she actually, she was 100% sure that it was the, the girl that was serving us that ruined our experience. Because the girl was, was very, inex it, 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 she wasn't putting any effort in telling us what sort of drink we were ordering. Because here's the thing, it's very hard for me to order a drink based on what they write, you know, like, oh, it's just a, a formidable opponent. Like, okay. What's in the, like, I need to know at least what's it going to taste like, you know, like I have a hard time. So I'm, I'm there asking the girl to help me and she's, you know, there like sounding dumb as a door. Right. No, I, I get that because I mean, I've gone to like, when I go to bars and I look at their uh, menus, if they're not giving me like some of the ingredients that are going to be in that drink, I'm kind of hesitant to try order because I kind of like you, I want to know at least a couple of the ingredients that are going to be in there. Like, is it going to be more of a tart drink? Is it going to be more sweet drink? Exactly. Is it going to be more fruity? So you do kind of want to know what's in the drink, just the basic stuff anyways. So so then you know what I did after I was obviously, thankfully, able to order the Blue Hawaiian, which I did not like their version. I like yours much better. Yay! Yeah. So what I did was after we left there, the next day, I needed to go buy, to go look for your booze and Norma's booze anyways. So I went to a liquor store and I bought little bottles of Blue Curacao and, and everything that goes on the Blue Hawaiian. And I made Colleen your drink, the, your version. And then she's like, oh, I can see now why you like this. And I'm like, yep. So we had um, in her balcony uh, a Craig's Blue Hawaiian. There you go. Without the bartender. Wait a minute. Hello. Yep. Am I out of a job now? It was just me. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would I would definitely give it another go. Um on a more decent hour, for sure. That's awesome. Okay, so let's uh, so that's some information about the Maikai. And thank you, Mark, for doing your usual quotations, research quotations. Oh, yeah. It's so hard for him. Poor thing. Yeah, I know. It's horrible. <laughs> I think I've only been there about eight times now, maybe ten. See? Oh, my God. I, need, I definitely need to give it another go. Definitely go there for dinner. Oh, no, even, even Norma. She's like saw some videos from there, and she's like, we definitely need to go. So if we're in that area, we're definitely going for sure. Yeah, maybe we should go together to that area. Hey, like a Tiki Central road trip. There yep. we go. But we fly because I'm not driving all the way to Florida. No, me neither. I can't do that. I can't picture us all in a car for like, you know, 10 hours. Come on, the Tiki Volkswagen microbus. 
That would be awesome. That would be pretty cool. Oh, God. We, we would need one of those RVs, though. For sure. Cool. So anyway, all that information will be on Mark's page. We'll update that. So if you're looking for anything on MyKai, definitely go to Mark's page. Did you know? I did not. I did not. Not quite as in Houston as it normally is because we're not in the studio, but hey, it was a good attempt. <laughs> you could make it just one sound together. No, no, I know. I just say it's, it's different where we're in our own studio looking at each other. We can interact much better than being in a room looking at a wall and talking on the, online. So it's a different scenario for sure. So this actually, this uh, did you know, we're going to talk about Navy terms. because, Like I said, this show is basically dedicated to all the Navy sailors and soldiers out there. And thanks to Rob Bruner, uh, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly, by the way, Rob. He reached out and he actually gave me like huge, massive document of Navy terms that they use uh, in the past and even today on their ships. So we're going to go through some couple cool ones that I picked out. We will actually have a page specifically linked on this episode. You can go and check out all, I think it's like 40 or 50 terms that he gave me. Thank, again, thanks to Rob for that. And uh, yeah, check them out. So the first term we're going to use or we're going to check out is called Oh Sewn Up. So does anyone have any clues to what that means? Does it have anything to do with the sailor's pants? <laughs> That's right. Your pants rip. Oh, oh, I'm all sewn up. <laughs> yeah, good one. No, so what it means is that back in the days uh, when a sailor would die on a ship or a pirate even, because I'm like, you know how I'm in the parts, uh, what they would do is they'd sew them up in canvas and then attach weights to this so they would sink to the bottom of the sea when they threw them overboard to make sure that they wouldn't float. Uh, so now what that means now in today's terms on boats means a task done. So it means that you've got something, you've done it, and it's all sewn up. Very cool. All right, so the next one is, goes, is as the crows flies. So anyone have any um, thoughts about this one? Well, now it means of the distance between here and there, you know, in a straight line. So I have no idea what a Navy term would be for that. So the term back in the days, what they would do on their ships, if say, because remember we talked about these journeys across the Atlantic were very long, and sometimes you would not know when you're going to actually see land. So what they would do is you have cages of crows on the ship, and they thought they were kind of close. What they would do is release the crows and then... They were almost like the compass for the ship because the crows would fly towards land. So if they were, say, off on their direction, they would actually change their direction and follow the crows to the nearest land. That's unbelievable. That's just so cool. I wonder if they were kept in the crow's nest. Ah, good question. I uh, don't know. I'm not quite sure. So let's go on to the next one. It's, the next one is a term that means something completely different today than obviously back then. That's the black book. So if you're a guy... You know, remember in high school and you've got your little black book. Mark, what do you, what do you, you know, we obviously, we, as guys, we know what this means. Yeah, like I said, it's the, um, it's the book that has all the um, prices for autos if you have an automobile accident. <laughs> Why do I feel that that's not the case at all? <laughs> well, you know, if you got a Lamborghini or you got a beat up Volkswagen, you know, like they're different models, right? So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you two are joking with me with that one. Oh, I totally are. I mean, well, because, what it was that obviously like we're talking about is that you're, you you date someone or you see someone and you write them in your black book and you put stars beside them. So you know if they're like a you know a really you know good date you put five stars. If it's a if it's a crappy date you put like zero stars or one star. Like you know how you do your pucker faces. This is a, sort of the same rating system for guys when it comes to the girls, right? Oh, I see. Yeah. So what it meant back then though in the 1300s though was that there was a collection of maritime laws and conduct that would be in a little black book for the admiral. And so if you didn't follow these rules, there'd be punishments. 
to uh, whatever rule you didn't follow. In today's world on the Navy ships, what it means is that you've done something wrong or offended somebody. So if you're in someone's black book on a Navy ship, that's not a good thing. It's actually the reverse. It's a bad thing. Oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Admiral hates me. That's it. I pissed him off. I'm sorry. Here's my rum rations. <laughs> I'll give you all the rum for the next week. All right. So this much, uh, most of us Canadians can, we've, I'm sure we've used here and there, uh, cup of Joe. So what do you guys think that means? I've never heard that expression in my life. Well, here it's a, here it's a cup of coffee, but I have no idea why that would relate to the Navy. Yeah, so what it is, is back in the uh, 1930s and 40s, the Secretary of the American Navy, Joseph Daniels, actually abolished officers drinking wine or any strong spirits on the boats. And so the, the strongest drink you could have was coffee. And so the co- cup of coffee became to known as a cup of Joe. So it's actually named after somebody. So yeah, like you said, now in today's age, I mean, if you go to, say, Tim Hortons or a coffee shop, give me a cup of Joe's, it means strictly coffee. I did not know that. Uh, that's what the segment's about. <laughs> oh, God. All right, let's do the last one here. So the last one's pretty cool. We've all heard this before. Can't make heads or tails of it. Does anyone think what they know about that one? Well, heads and tails is usually beginning or end, right? True. I can't make heads or tails of her answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what it was is that on the Navy ships, you had these guys, their job was to signal from ship to ship, like communication. And so what it was is that a, a signalman on the ship who was unable to make sense of the distant ship's signals or flag signals. And so what it was is that the top of the flag is actually called the head and the bottom of the flag is actually called the tail. So that's where the term came from. Can't make heads or tails. It actually is a Navy term that now we have obviously used in society for, like you said, doesn't make sense or I don't understand. Very cool. It's always cool to see these like phrases. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever done this. I've done is where I've gone in and checked like the origin of a really weird phrase. So I'll give you an example. Who let the cat out of the bag? Term we've all heard, right? Cat out of the bag. So I went and researched its origin. And what it was is that back in the Asian days on um, in the market, you would actually put produce like chickens or pigs or whatever, and you put them in a, a bag. And the bag was not clear. You couldn't see it, what was in the bag. And so they would sell these bags They would have cats in them and sell them as chickens. They tell the person like, oh, yeah, I got a chicken in here for you. And it's so many you know, shingles or whatever the price was. So what they would do to make sure they weren't getting tricked and that there wasn't a dead cat in there, they say, let the cat out of the bag. I wouldn't want a cat if I was asked for a chicken. <laughs> Who would? Especially this day and age, right? Like, okay, I don't need questionable food right now. You know, like. <laughs> Very cool. All of them. I like looking through the list on the, the site. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, like I said, so there's about 40 or 50 terms that uh, Rob sent me. So we're going to put that into a separate page. You can always go check it out. So these are all either history, historical terms or even used today in uh, Navy um, purposes. And so uh, we're going to do that. And again, thank you, Rob, for doing that. So let's tell everybody who we are. We are www.tikicentralcanada.ca. Or .com. Or all one word. That's what happens when we're not in the studio. We're like, we have hand signals to each other. So now we can't see each other. It's like we're all thrown off here. Anyways, so on that main page, you will see the episode that we're talking right now and also the recipes to this episode. Uh, Paula has her page on there. Uh, I take it there obviously is no picky pear adventures on right now. No. I know. You, you guys have gone from a zillion trips a year to zero right now. Yeah. And, and that's sad because we had... Um... 
the Los Angeles one very soon when, where we were going to go to Mark's favorite. Oh, no. Yeah. Because I guess if, it, if Paul hasn't explained on the show before, Justin, uh, part of his job is traveling. And yes. so this is why these guys go to all these different exotic locations around the world because he works. And then also, too, there'll be uh, Mark's page on there. So Mark's Adventures, everything we talked about today will be on that page. So all the information you want about the Maikai will be there. And then also, too, there is uh, upcoming shows we're going to be doing. Uh, like anything on that main page. So in other words than that, we also have the episode page. We also have the recipe page. So all the recipes that we do on the show are on there. And I actually, I think that's the most hit page of all the pages we do. Because everyone always asks me about new recipes, especially with the summer coming up. Don't forget, guys, if you haven't listened to already, uh, we just did the jukebox tiki music one. So it's a good one. And thanks to Paula, by the way. Thank you for suggesting Spotify. So I actually have set up the Spotify lists. Yay! What's the name of the list? I wanna, I wanna, I wanna see it. Yeah, I'll send you the link. And uh, so that Mark has his list, I have my list, and we're gonna always be upgrading those all the time. So Mark, whenever you have any new songs you want to add to that, we'll definitely add them on. Okay, sounds awesome. Like I said, well, because we, remember correctly, we went from like, I, I don't know about you, but I, I had like 50 songs and I had to narrow it down to 10. So it was very hard. So we always could just add more onto that list if we want to. That would be great. And we also have a subscribe page. So please do subscribe, folks. Please. We are actually, I'm very super excited about it. I think I've talked to both you guys about this already. We're actually talking to a branding company right now that is possibly looking at branding us. So I'm super stoked. I'm hoping it's going to go through. We'll see. Uh, so that might mean there might be some commercials, but I'm going to do my best to make sure that it's not going to interrupt the show in any way. So in other words, the commercials will be at the very beginning or at the very end, or maybe us just mentioning the product. But I'm going to make sure that it doesn't, because I don't know about you guys, I listen to podcasts, nothing worse than every two, three minutes is a new commercial in there. And it just throws me off. And I don't want to listen to it anymore. So we're going to make sure that we still keep our content the way it is. We're not going to change anything. And we're just simply just going to add in like a little insert of branding. That's it. Cool. Cattle get branded. Yeah, that's right. Ouch. That sounds painful. Yeah. Tiki logo on my shoulder. Ow. The tiki tattoo. Here we go. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, also, too, don't forget, if it hasn't gone by already, because I'm not quite sure when this will be released, that there is the contest for the CD from the Tiki Jukebox show that we did that Mark brought in, the Rare CD. If you haven't got on our website yet or any of the uh, social platforms, you will see the contest on there, so do apply. And we will be announcing the winner for that, uh, I think it's mid to end of May. So definitely get your, your votes in there. And uh, Marcus, thank you for donating the CD, and uh, we'll definitely add that as part of the contest. All right. Sweet. Yes, it's, it's so weird, because like, when we're in the studio, we're like Chatty Cathy, and when we're on here, everyone's like, all oh, quiet. It's yeah. like... Well, you don't want to interrupt. No, no, I get it. You know, it's just it's just so funny. It's like this is so like out of character for Paula because like it's all she's just, like it's hilarious because like we we talked about it before we recorded. She's flatlining and it's almost like <laughs> is she there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I just don't understand. What are you guys talking about? Nothing right now. <laughs> I'm just saying is that normally you are very vocal on the show, like you're very you know interjecting, and so like it's just a weird scenario to see it very quiet. It's just a it's a different, different taste. Thanks so much for tuning in. Yes, guys. Thank you. And uh, keep on listening, guys. We will actually we'll be going back in the studio after this. So this hopefully is the only show we're going to do this way. Hopefully. So, yes. So uh, do stay tuned and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you. Bye. Aloha.
Well, I don't know about you, but I got informed. Guys, hey, guys, where's my drink? I know. You could actually, you know, perish with corona. You have to oh, be I know. careful. Perish? Perish? <laughs> perish, Bill? <laughs> I have a due date. Isn't that, isn't that what people <laughs> say? Or I could take an expiry date. <laughs>